Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Now, thanks, big guy. I enjoy talking to you on this show. That's my favorite part of the show. And in fact, we're going to go to the phones in just a couple of minutes at 1-866-405-8405 if you have questions for Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani or you just want to say hello. That's the number to call. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. We also have a pretty book to the top show. Don't we, Judy? I mean, yes, wow, we do. Really big pretty, shoe. A really, really big shoe. <laughs> yeah. uh, I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, damn, we're old, huh? Uh, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna talk about the truth about animals. And when I say this, the animals that we know they can be fairly devious, and we have some big misconceptions about the animals. Like I understand, or I always thought that penguins were monogamous. They find one mate for life. Uh, I have to cover my ears. Don't, don't, yeah. don't. Tell sorry, me how. sorry to let you in no. on this one. Uh, that may not be true. We'll be talking. We'll be crossing the pond and speaking to Lucy Cook, who wrote the book "The Truth About Animals: Stone Sloths, Lovelorn Hippos, and Other Tales from the Wild Side of Wildlife." Mm. Hope I'm not in that book there. Mm. Yeah. So that's on the way. Also, we're going to be talking to Dr. Judy Morgan. She is a holistic veterinarian. She's going to tell us her take on CBDs and vaccinations and raw food because all of these, these are the things you do not talk about. You do not, when you have a party, you don't talk about religion or politics. Politics. Yeah. CBDs or vaccinations. These are things you don't talk about because they, they will always start an argument or raw pet food. Yes. Feeding the raw diet. Oh. Yeah. Yes, that will always start it. <laughs> in fact, we don't even talk about that in the studio amongst us until the mics are on because it will start a big argument. But Dr. Judy Morgan will tell us her take on it, and that'll be around the corner right here on Animal Radio. Also, we're going to be talking to a, uh, can I can I say he's an electronic geek from PC Magazine, a PC Probably, geek. Probably, yeah. Is that okay that. to say? Yeah. Is that politically yeah. okay? Yeah, that's not offensive. He uh, He's going to tell us how to take great pet picks and the new devices that are out to take those picks. Finally. Yeah. Okay. That's on the way. Lori, what are you working on? Uh, another pet has come up with um, salmonella. Salmonella? has been reported to the government. Yeah. So it's one cute little thing that a lot of us have. So okay. I'll tell you what it is. As I always say, please keep your pets out of your mouth. Okay. Mm-hmm. For whatever you do. Uh, Lori will report. It's very serious, actually. I'm sorry to make fun of that or joke about that there. Uh, Lori will report on that in just a few minutes. Are we ready to go to the phones? Let's go to line two. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Pretty good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, right now, I'm in Brooksville, Florida. Florida. Okay. And uh, what's going on? I have the entire Dream Team here for you. Well, I have a domestic short hair. She's about 20, 21 pounds. Holy she's cow. Always, she's always been a healthy cat, and her mother, <laughs> I say her mother, uh, my wife, she uh, has the uh, open buffet, which okay. is the open, the open food bowl. She just pours the bag of food in, and the cat eats insatiably. Okay. Non-stop. I mean, we come home, and she hops down off the table and runs to the food bowl. We come out okay. of the back of the bedroom, out of the back of the house, and she hops down off the table and runs to the food bowl. And she stays indoors, or does she go outside? Oh, yeah. No, she's an indoor cat. 
Okay. So, and then, so what's prompting you to call? Because you said she's always been big. Is there some change in her health or well, something that has I'm, you concerned? I'm just curious, is the insatiable appetite or is it just that the food's there and I'm going to eat it? Uh, could be a little both. I know that's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... So the the truth is that um, for dogs and cats, I mean, just like people, everybody has a kind of a different hunger set point um, when we feel like we're hungry. Some of that's set up on um, the type of food we eat. Some of it's genetic. Some of it's based on of our activity level. Um, okay. So for a kitty that is, um, I'm going to pursue but presume that a 20 to 21 pound weight for her is excessive, that she's overweight. Um, So um, if I had a picture of her and I could see her, um, you know, for cats that are generally that big, unless they're a Maine Coon, they're generally kind of potato shaped and they got a little head. So if that's kind of what her physique looks like, then she's going to fit into the obese category. And the sad truth is about 35% of U.S. cats are actually obese. Um, overweight or obese. So it is a huge amount. And some of this is we're learning is there's some strategies and changes that we can actually adopt, do different things to help. And I think it's really important to recognize first that cats in the wild, whatever kind of cat it is, a tiger, a a domestic cat that's outside, um, they are actually hunters. So they basically are going to go out, chase their prey, eat it and consume it. That prey is actually very high in protein and fat, but it isn't so high in carbohydrate. And and in fact, if you look at what like, you know, a mouse is made up of, (laughs) a mouse is like um, only maybe one or 2% carbohydrate. And the reason this is interesting is when we look at dry food, kibble that you pour in the bowl, that is generally around 40% carbohydrate. So the difference is if we know cats are meant to be carnivores, but we pour this kibble in the bowl, that is essentially carbohydrate is energy. And if she's putting on weight, she doesn't need that level of energy. But the unfortunate thing, so the unfortunate thing is um, a lot of these high carbohydrate diets, actually, they actually want to keep eating it. (laughs) So we know that if we switch cats that are having this type of problem to a higher protein and limited carbohydrate diet, it actually kind of resets their hunger level because protein and fat have the benefit of um, affecting the speed at which the stomach empties. So it makes them feel fuller longer than if they get a lot of carbohydrate. It's kind of like, you know, if I sit down with a bag of chips, you know, I feel satisfied. I love to eat them. I'm going to keep eating them. But, you know, next I'm going to say, okay, where's my dessert now? I want more. Whereas if you eat a good protein meal, you feel a bit more satisfied for some time. So um, for cats, we just have to think a little bit differently. So what this means is that if we're thinking about what's the best food for some cats, um, it may be best to go to a canned food because canned foods are actually much lower in um, the carbohydrates. Um, There's a lot more moisture in there, which is good for their kidneys as well. Um, So that would be one strategy that we can look at doing. Now, now that's that that sounds good, but we've tried every cat tree that's come out. Just about, mm-hmm. she won't touch any of them. Mm-hmm. But she likes she likes chicken. I mean, cooked. Mm-hmm. We've the my she cooks it in the microwave because she doesn't want to add anything to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and gives it straight up. Gives her chicken, chops it all up, makes it all mushy, and 
you know, pet haze it, I guess. But she yeah. she's very finicky. If she don't like it, she'll scratch the food bowl all day okay, long. Okay, all right. We have to dispel something right here. Fat cats are not finicky. <laughs> they are masters at manipulating. They are not That's- finicky. <laughs> Yeah, she just knows that. how to ring your bell, man. That's all this is. That's so it sounds like I ring her bell. I'm the one that wants to put the lid on the open buffet at least, you know, eight hours yeah, a day. Yeah. Well, something okay, so, if I understand what you're saying is that if I do something like that, I need to make sure that the protein and the fat content is... See, I'm going to have to look at the food now. Yeah, and um, and if she's in if she's in the category of an obese cat, this is really something that I would suggest some veterinary direction for a couple reasons. One is that to mm-hmm. help you pick the right food, and there are some great different strategies that we can go with diet. Whether you do a dry food or a canned food, because there are some other even dry foods that are high in protein, lower in carbohydrates, and in fact we use them all the time with diabetic cats, and they're very successful. Sometimes putting diabetic cats in remission. So that's uh. one thing. There's also a really wonderful weight loss food um, that I use from Hills called Metabolic Diet, and I really love it. I've had some cats lose a tremendous amount of weight on that. So that's another thing your veterinarian may help you with. But the other reason that it's so important not to try to handle this yourself and to change foods and and be real strict is because cats, if we kind of pull the rug under them and they stop eating, they can actually go into a type of a liver condition called hepatic lipidosis. So meaning if they don't eat for a couple days, that liver tries to kind of mobilize a new energy pathway and it can actually cause some very serious liver failure. So um, I would want you to work with your veterinarian on this, but some other little kind of changes that I can tell you around the house that we can try for a kind of a lazy cat, if I can say that, I'm not trying to be insulting (laughs) but for a lazy cat um we will take their dry food and put it in actually food dispensing toys so there's all sorts of different ones out there um kong makes them there's one by slim cat and you basically um instead of putting the food in the bowl for her you give her this little object and then her job is to push that object around, knock the food out, and then she eats in that way. And it helps to kind of give her something to do. And that's one of the kind of short change things we've done with cats that live indoors is they're kind of bored. They don't hunt for their food. So we have to find ways to make it interesting and to kind of have her um, work for it. So I that would just be a really- saw one of, one of those apparatuses that you put the food in or the treats, mm-hmm. I think, and you make them roll it around and then it yeah. comes out and they... I yeah. just saw that the other day, and that's exactly something. Yeah. I, I now, when you do that, though, you've got to make sure that you don't leave food in her bowl. So it's, yeah. it's a new way of feeding her. So she's already demanding you give her food. So you can put it out in a little ball, like make her work for it. Even just kind of taking cardboard boxes and cutting like little holes in places where she might take her paw and like knock the food around and you can get creative and then have her work to get that out. That even too is a way of uh, mentally and physically stimulating a cat to kind of move around for their meals. A little exercise going on. Yes. yes. Well, I, we're, she's due for her shots, so we will be. Um, conversing with the veterinarian about that because mm-hmm. I'm going to have to be a little more assertive. Um, yeah. My wife, I mean, yes, I she she bats her eyes at me and wags her tail, and I just have the hardest time looking at her saying no. Yeah. <laughs> the, the lesson is fat cats are not picky. All right. <laughs> 
Jeff. Thank you so much for calling today. I appreciate it. Toll free 1-866-405-8405 or from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to holistic veterinarian, Dr. Judy Morgan. Oh, I love her. She's all, she, and she'll talk about anything holistic, you know? And yeah. She practices, you know, she practices, she, it's not that she's totally, like, natural. She'll mix, she'll meld the uh, Western with the, Eastern. Yeah, I like that. I like a I vet like that. that does that. And that's really what the word holistic means. Yes. Anyway, so she's going to talk about CBDs, she's going to talk about vaccinations, and she's going to talk about raw diets. Three conversation starters you don't want to start in uh, at any dinner party, really, along with politics and religion. So that's on the way in just a few minutes. Lori, what are you working on? There's, um, you know, lots of them, actually, pet scams going on out there. And what people who are experts in pets will tell you how not to be scammed. We're mm. going to share that with you. Okay, that's on my way. Uh, let's see, are we going to which one? Going to line two. To line two. And Judy? Is yes. It... Hi, yes. Judy. How are you doing today? I'm I'm fine except for my little cat problem. Well, what's going on with your cat? Well, I have two ragdoll cats. They're young, a mother and okay. daughter. And my son brought over his two cats, and they have visited here about three times. Uh, this time for a week. Otherwise, it's just been a weekend. But my cats are rude. Oh. Ah. And they, <laughs> they what are hiss, they doing? They hiss at at a son's cats, especially the boy, who is a wonderful, friendly, uh, thick-skinned cat. He doesn't care how much they hiss at him. He just kind of hangs around, wants to play, but they won't make friends. Okay. Is there so, I, can, is I, there I was just going to say, what, what, what reason are these babies coming together that he's visiting? Uh, is he just I, coming home from, like, college for the weekend? Or? No, no. My son and husband went fishing. Okay. And, uh, and I love all the cats. And my pleasure is to babysit for them. I'm babysitting. Okay. They're all house cats. Okay. Well, I guess the first thing that I would want to say is that, you know what, I don't think the cats asked for this. (laughs) And um, it's a little bit harder with cats versus dogs to throw them together, expect them to play nice, and expect them to act like dogs. Ooh, cover their ears. We don't want them to act like dogs. They're cats. And if we're going to have the kitties together for a long-term basis, you know, then I would say, you know, we can work on how how to acclimate them. Uh, I am concerned right. that these short-term visits are doing nothing but stressing your cats out, and I don't know that it's going to be in their best interest. 
if it was a more long-term management where we need to keep them in the home, then we go through some strategies. You know, the other solution I can say is if it's a situation where, you know, the cats could be house-sat in your son's home, that might be the most agreeable situation and not really stir up the feathers, uh, uh, the fur, <laughs> in the situation here. Um, so so those might be my first suggestions before I really kind of put your kitties through this transition. But if you do, then I would always make sure when we start this transition, you got to start gradual. Even if they were together three months ago and you're putting them together again, they almost need to be separated for about a week to two at a time. So that's where the challenges come when we try to acclimate them for just a short period of time. There's just not right. enough time for them to deal with the sense, some of the different issues with uh, territory. Um, so it can be done, but I, I think we're asking a little bit more of these kitties to, to behave dog-like. I, you know, and there, there's no bloodshed or clawing or scratching or anything. It's just the rude hissing. And I, I've been trying. There's plenty of toys. Our cats share toys, and they don't have a fit when, when the other cats yeah. use their toys. Um, so there's no trick like I leave them, you know, with treats or toys or separate nope. them and bring them together <laughs> gradually and. Yeah, well, you can do that, but the separation time I usually start with is about a week. So we would keep the visiting cats in one bath, a bedroom by themselves away from your cats right. for about a week's time. Then gradually right. what we do is we feed them on opposite sides of that door so we can make the sense of the other cats a positive thing, and we reward them. Then with time, if there's no hissing going on in the mix, then we can put those food bowls closer and closer to the door and then eventually hopefully put them together with supervision, never leaving them alone. Because if they have a bad um, hissing bout and they're aggressive, even in a non-physical way, We've lost all of the efforts that you've tried to do in a gradual step. So um, you really just have to do that slowly over a period of time. And if they have a spat or they're hissing, you got to back away and wait three to five days. So so that's, again, why I'm I'm not too hopeful for your short-term situation. But I also love things like pheromones for cats that can help kind of ease some of their fears. So if you're kind of in that spot where you're going to have the the kitties visiting, um, I'd get a pheromone diffuser. You can plug into the wall, make them think happy thoughts, Keep them separate and, uh, you know, make sure if you do put them together, we need ample resources. We need multiple litter pans. So if you got four cats, you need five litter pans. If you've got four cats, you need five different uh, posts or different uh, nesting areas that these guys can sit in. So the toys, it's, it's an important thing to make sure they got enough of that stuff. But all these other resources are very important. So well, they have, you got your... My son, my son brings his own litter box and that they share at home and mm-hmm. their own food thing. Yeah, and, and even that, you know, that just... The two, of, the two of them don't get along that well. <laughs> well, um, that's hard, then. <laughs> if the brother and sister are fighting, then that really throws a, a wrench in the mix. So, yeah. got a lot of work there, Judy. I hope that some of that can help you. And then, you know, like I said, keep the kitties' thoughts in mind and what works best for them. If it's not going to be an ideal situation, got to do what's right for the kitties first. Thank you so much for your call. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio at one 405 8405 This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Critter Cops. There's a new way to find lost pets, and it's becoming popular all over the USA. It's Critter Cops. You'll get huge media blasts of thousands of people about your lost pet. They also offer specialized services for stolen pets. Try the new way to find lost pets and increase your chances of a reunion. Visit CritterCops.net. And thanks, Critter Cops, for underwriting Animal Radio. 
People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Well, we say it here all the time on Animal... <laughs> what is it, Lori? Uh, animal Radio. Okay. Even if you are aware of pet scams, please, please tell your friends and your family to never, ever buy a pet online. There's a woman in Volusia County, Florida. She is heartbroken now. We hear this story all the time. She paid her hard-earned money to buy a puppy online. She never got the pet. She never got her money back. And then she found out she was yet another victim of an online scammer. She made two $500 payments to purchase a Samoyed puppy, paid for the shipping, everything, only to find out the whole thing was non-existent. There wasn't even a dog. She said that her older dog had needed a friend. And now she's out a thousand bucks and wants to warn everybody because these scams break people's hearts and wallets. She ordered the dog online through a website called purebredsamoyed.com. But the Better Business Bureau is aware of this site. It says the whole thing is bogus. Professional pet breeders say that you should never, ever buy a pet without seeing it in person first. Never, ever wire money to people or companies that you don't know. Because typically, those scam companies, they're going to ask you to wire money. And once you do, there's no way to get it back. Well, for most of us pet parents, usually our pet's food is the biggest expense for them pending any major medical issues, but the secret shopper team at checkbook.org compared prices among a limited number of low and mid-range pet foods. In fact, they focused on 11 of the most popular brands of dog food, as well as a few brands for cats, too. What they found was a big part of the expense is where you buy your pet's food. So if you pick the most expensive place, you might pay 30 or even 40% more than you would need to pay at the lowest cost place. They found the lowest prices for major brands at three chain stores. This uh, survey was done in Washington State. Those three chain stores were Winco, Target, and Walmart. Now, that's Costco's home turf, Washington State, right? So what about Costco? They found Costco has low prices for pet food, but really only a couple of kinds because they only sell their own brand, Kirkland, these days. Now, for pet parents looking to save money on premium brands, Checkbook found the lowest cost way to buy pet food is online, actually through Chewy.com, which they say had lower prices than local stores and even Amazon. Chewy.com prices were as much as 15% lower than the prices found for some of the same products on Amazon. Now, rounding out the top five online dog food sources in this survey were Chewy.com, number one, followed by DogFoodDirect.com, then Target.com, CareAlotPets.com was at number four, and in fifth place, PetSmart.com. Now, one word of caution here that's pretty important. When you are shopping for price, 
We all want to save money, but you also need to pay attention to protein levels, especially if you're considering a change in dog food brands. Checkbook.org found that a more expensive brand might actually be a better value for you than a lower-priced option that requires bigger, larger servings in order to provide all of the protein that your dog will need in his diet every day. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. From the Red Barn Studios, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks, and here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. We'll go back to the phones for your calls toll-free at 1-866-405-8405 in just a couple of minutes. In fact, uh, Judy is screening calls right now. So if you want to get in queue, now's a good time to call. We welcome back no stranger to Animal Radio, Dr. Judy Morgan. She is a veterinary certified in acupuncture, food therapy, and chiropractic care. Uh, she spent a lot of her time working with Cavalier, King Charles, Spaniels, and English Toy Spaniel rescue groups. And she's the chief veterinary medical officer for Monkey's House, a dog hospice, and senior sanctuary. And, of course, she's also a very well-known author. I remember her book, Yin and Yang. I still have it on my shelf. I still refer to it pretty frequently. Welcome to the show, Doctor. Thank you so much. Well, I like the way you practice because, you know, you go to some veterinarians and it's all about the medicine that they want to jam down your, your animal's throats. But you, uh, you have kind of a holistic approach, don't you? Yeah, actually, we have an integrated approach. So it's not that we shun all medications. We will grab them when we need them. But for the most part, we are looking for alternative therapies, whether that be food or herbs or, um, you know, CBD oil is now very popular. Uh, we use cold laser, acupuncture, chiropractic. So just a lot more tools in our toolbox that we will go to rather than, you know, jump first thing into medications that might have some serious side effects. Well, since you mentioned CBDs, let's talk a little bit about them, if you will. (laughs) Where do you stand on CBDs? Oh, awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, We have tons of patients that are using it, and uh, most of my family members also take it. All of my dogs take it, and we're using it for for different things. Like what? So I actually was just reading a study that was done by Cornell this morning where they were they did a double-blind study with CBD for dogs with arthritis versus using non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, and the results were really pretty amazing, definite improvement in the pain scores on these dogs. So we definitely use it for pain, not just for arthritis, but pain in general. It's been an excellent adjunct for pets with anxiety and we've also been able to use it to wean some of our dogs off of uh, seizure medications Mm, so lots and lots of uses for this and i I think we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg because they're really just starting to do the research on it so you talk about the side effects of all these medications that are prescribed are there any side effects to cbds that we should worry about yeah, so if you're using a, a high-quality product, and, you know, that's one of the biggest problems right now is figuring out who is and who isn't because there's right. a new company coming yeah. online. There's probably multiple companies coming online every day. And, you know, everywhere I go, all the expos, I'm just seeing booth after booth after booth. And it can be a little difficult to, to for the average consumer to discern, you know, whether it's a good company because everybody's going to tell you that they're the best. <laughs> um 
but you know we're looking for full spectrum CBD, and we it has to have less than 0.3 percent THC, which is the psychoactive ingredient in marijuana. So we're not getting it from marijuana plants; it's coming from the hemp plant, and it has to be the whole plant extract. Um, and so as long as your THC is not high you really can go pretty high on your dose without getting side effects. If the THC is, is higher in there, then you definitely could have some toxicities. Uh, we use lower doses in dogs that have kidney problems. Um, those with liver problems, we might back off on our dose a little bit. Uh, but really not much in the way of side effects. I've had people give 10 times the normal dose, and their dogs are just fine. You say uh, it comes from the hemp plant, not the marijuana plant. I thought yeah. they were one in the same. Uh, well, the marijuana plant has TH, a lot more THC in it, whereas the hemp plant should not have much THC at all. So it's just a different species. Let's talk a little bit about vaccinations, if we can, because there seems to be a lot of controversy about it. Obviously, there are certain vaccinations that our animals need, but I also see the anti-vaxxers standing up, and now we're seeing a reoccurrence of distemper. For humans, we're seeing a reoccurrence of measles. Should we be doing these vaccines so I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm a judicious vaxxer. Okay. Um, so I think that when I was in school back in the 80s in vet school, we didn't have a vaccination for parvo. And we had wards full, isolation wards full of dogs that were dying of parvovirus. And, you know, they came out with a vaccine and we've saved literally hundreds of thousands of lives. And so it became very important. The problem is that we then got into, well, we'll just vaccinate them every year. And what we didn't realize is that those vaccines may last a lifetime. So what we do now is, you know, we get a couple of vaccines in as a puppy and then we will start doing blood titers, which is a blood test that you can take that tells you whether they have circulating antibodies against the disease. If they have the antibodies, they don't need new vaccines. So it makes a lot more sense to judiciously vaccinate, know that they're protected, and then if they're not protected, you can give them only what they're missing. What about rabies vaccination? I know that's required by law. I think once a dog is over a year old, it's required every three years. Can they have enough titers build up in their system where they don't need that rabies and we have to give it to them anyway? Yes, absolutely. So we've had my dog and my technician's cat, neither of which have been vaccinated for about 10 years. A protective titer is 0.5. Both of our animals, mine came up at 14.5 and hers came up at 11.5. And that was 10 years after the vaccine was given. Wow. So, yeah, you can do the titers, unfortunately, because of the legalities that most townships and states will not accept that. So we're forced to do the vaccines. We are with holistic veterinarian Dr. Judy Morgan. And just a few minutes ago, Lori reported on uh, where to buy the cheapest food. So I have questions about food. We're going to take a quick break and we'll get those questions answered and your answers questioned. And this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by CBD Dog Health. Makers of tinctures, treats, and salves that treat your furry family members suffering from anxiety, allergies, arthritis, seizures, hot spots, and more. Made with the highest potency, full-spectrum hemp CBD, lab-tested for purity and potency. You can learn more at CBDDogHealth.com. And thank you, CBD Dog Health, for underwriting Animal Radio. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. 
Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets, and we are with holistic veterinarian Dr. Judy Morgan. And uh, I think that when we buy our food, at least Judy and, and myself, when we buy our food, we not only look for the best deal on food, but we are very concerned about what's in the food. I guess we probably buy premium. Don't you, Judy? You buy premium food. Yeah. It'd be considered. You know, I find the food first that I really want, and then I try to find the best price on it. So the food, the quality is more important to me. And, of course, just a few minutes ago, Lori reported on the cheapest food around. And, uh, you know, there's uh, she was talking about Costco and the Kirkland brand. And I'm not going to cast any dispersions, but that's a food that I would categorize along with like old Roy as, as something that you don't want to be you don't want to be feeding your animals basically because uh, it, it could cause lots of health problems down the line and actually cost you more because of that Dr. Judy Morgan I want you to chime in on food what do you feed your animals <laughs> well I'm a raw feeder uh, so for the most part my pets eat uh, sometimes they're eating processed raw from, I have a couple of favorite companies that I really like, so I will use their products already made, but a lot of times I am grinding my own raw blends for my dogs, and sometimes I feed them home-cooked food, so I'm grinding and making my own uh, pup loafs for my dogs. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I feel is pretty important is that we don't feed our pets the same exact thing in their bowl, meal after meal after meal. And one of the reasons for that is if there is an excess or a deficiency so in that food, it will get magnified over time. So if you think about it, we don't eat that way. We don't eat this, you know, you don't pour that bowl of Cheerios and eat it breakfast and dinner every day for year after year. And so it, it, it gets magnified like this recall that we just had with the excess vitamin D. So, you know, even if you're switching within a company, so let's say, you know, you're using the Kirkland brand or whatever, and you say, well, okay, well, I'll buy a bag of beef, and the next time I'm going to buy the chicken flavor. Well, they use the same vitamin mineral mix across the board in, in their brand. So if there's an excess or a deficiency in there, which they're not testing for, um, it's going to get magnified in your animal over time. So I, I recommend kind of brand topping a little bit. And, you, you know, you, you've got to know your dog's digestive system and how fast, or your cat, whatever, how fast you can make those changes. My guys have something different in the bowl every single meal. So for them, it's like, you know, and I have a couple that I know this one can't have chicken, this one can't have beef. So it's like, all right, well, fine, but, you know, they get something else. Um, but that way, if there is a problem with the food, it, you're not magnifying that problem. Aren't you worried about pathogens and bacteria with raw diet? Nope, not at all. Why not? Our dogs go out and eat roadkill. Are you kidding? Doesn't, doesn't bother them. <laughs> <laughs> So, they have little turkey vulture blood in them. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, it's it's the nature of dogs. You know, I mean, that's what what they eat. Now, with that said, the sourcing of that raw meat is very important. 
if you are buying factory farmed meat, which is pretty highly contaminated, the meat that we buy in the grocery store is is pretty highly contaminated. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the USDA allows that. They know that because it is assumed that you will cook it. That's why, you know, like when you buy a package of hamburger, it says be sure to cook to an internal temperature of 170 degrees for however many minutes. And chicken, if you, you know, you want to have fun and games, just go buy a pack of chicken, get a culture swab on it, send it off to the lab and see what bacteria grow. You'll be amazed. Well, so if if our own food in our supermarket is bad, where do you get your food? So if you buy grass-fed, uh, you know, kind of organic, free-range, where the animals are not crammed in altogether. So I don't if you've ever seen a confinement beef raising operation, those cows are shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow, and they're standing in manure up to their knees or elbows. And, you know, it's just, everything is contaminated in that environment. And, you know, we end up with very highly contaminated meat. And the same with the factory farming for the chickens. But if you take, you know, a grass-fed pasture cow, the percent contamination in that is extremely low. The other interesting thing is that the FDA has a zero tolerance for bacteria in raw dog food. While the FDA has, you know, you can have as much bacteria in your, your grocery store meats as you want to, but the FDA has a zero tolerance. So the pet food companies, some of them are using some uh, high-pressure pasteurization. Some are using a, a water wash, uh, high-pressure to, to take bacteria out of there. Uh, some of them use a fermentation process to kill the bad bacteria. So, you know, there are very safe raw foods that, that you can get. And you talk about that in your book, which is, what is that, about a year old now? Uh, the Yin and Yang book is about a year and a half old now, but I got to tell you, that thing stays number one in its category on Amazon. People are really looking for healthy ways to feed their pets. They're looking for, uh, you know, homemade diets they can use if a pet has kidney failure, heart failure, liver failure, you know, or just a healthy pet that they, they want to make their own food and control what's, what ingredients are going in there. Mm. Well, I thank you so much for your time today. The website, it's uh, drjudymorgan.com. Drjudymorgan.com. Of course, we put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. And I want to apologize. We were supposed to have you on last week, and we ran out of time. I'm so glad that we got to reschedule and that you came on today. Well, thank you very much. Take care of yourself. We're going to head back to the phones for your calls toll-free at 1-866-405-8405 next. And this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by CBD Dog Health. Makers of tinctures, treats, and salves to treat your furry family members suffering from anxiety, allergies, arthritis, seizures, hot spots, and more. It's made with the highest potency full-spectrum hemp CBD lab-tested for purity and potency. You can learn more at CBDDogHealth.com. And thank you, CBD Dog Health, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. I said enough. Hey, gang, this is the Money Man, Eddie Money. Make sure you spay to your pets and keep the dial right here to Animal Radio. It's the greatest station in the world. Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. The Mazda MX-5 Miata's 30th anniversary edition was an instant hit in the U.S. 500 cars reserved for the U.S. market sold within four hours as hundreds of hopefuls signed their names to a waiting list. Mazda extended the allotment for the U.S. market by 143 units for a grand total of 643 units. The additional cars will come from the original 3,000 unit production run. Find your new Mazda. Go to OurAutoExpert.com. 
Our auto expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks, and now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Those of you that have been listening to us forever know that we have Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. Uh, she's an uh, adorable little uh, Jack Russell minpin mix. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. And she, uh, you'll, you'll see her on the website. You'll see her in most of the promotional materials for Animal Radio. She's a little devious character, isn't she? I mean, in real life, she... <laughs> She, if she can sneak some cat food, she, she will do it. And she she knows when to sneak the cat food. She's an opportunist. She waits until we turn our back or go into another room and she looks around and she makes a dash for it. And when you find her eventually, do you scold her? I just yell her name. And she walks away kind of uh, tail down, tail Tail tucked, down, and... runs to her bed and punishes herself. D- punishes herself, yeah, huh? Yeah, she goes to her place. <laughs> wow. She knows she's in trouble, so she, she goes and... To she take a time out. Yep, she does. She gives herself a time out. But yet she continues to do this over and over and over. She'll do it 10 minutes later if I walk out of the room again. Yeah. You see, animals are very devious. <laughs> we think... Uh, are. We think that they're... Uh, you know, there's that saying, be the person that your dog thinks you... No. Be the person that your dog thinks you are? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Or be more like a dog because, you know, they live in the moment, that kind of stuff. But uh, this is not isolated to Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. The animals, all kinds of wild animals, actually, are very devious. Uh Uh-oh. We've thought that penguins were monogamous. That they that they only have. (gasps) Don't tell me. Yeah. Really? They may not. They may cheat. They, and and really, why wouldn't they? I mean, humans do it too. Um, and and we've heard about worker ants. How hard they work to move the piece of sandwich from your picnic basket uh-huh. all together. There may be worker ants that just you know are like that lazy teenage son that you know. Freeloaders. The the freeloaders watching everybody else do the work. We're going to talk to Lucy Cook, and she's going to tell us the truth about animals. She has a book called The Truth About Animals, Stoned Sloths, Lovelorn Hippos, and Other Tales from the Wild Side of Wildlife. And we're going to find out what we really know about our animals. Because apparently not very much. Do we really want to know? Uh, Maybe not. Yeah. Good question, Judy. Here's your opportunity to change the channel right now if you don't want to know what your animals are really thinking. Spoiler alert. Yes, there you go. Uh, So that's on the way right here on Animal Radio. Stick around for that. Also, your phone calls. Lori Brooks does a check of the news at the bottom of the hour. What are you working on for this hour? Well, since you're a cat guy, Hal. Yes, I am. Loving your kitties. Mm -hmm. I I thought of you when I heard this. I I hope that your cats are all indoor cats. They are, aren't they? Yes, they are. Okay, because there is this story where this one cat went missing, got into tons of trouble, ended up costing over $7,000. We'll tell you what that cat did. Uh, Ain't that a cat for you? Yep. Is this call for Dr. Debbie? Yes, line one. Hey, Susan. Hi there. How are you doing today? Pretty good. I just got off work. Where do you work? Walmart. Walmart. Good for you. Good for you. Let's let's do a round of applause for Susan, who works for a company that does not pay their employees properly. 
That's true. <laughs> they what? work as hard enough. Yeah, I bet they do. Well, how can we help you today? I got the whole team here for you. Well, I have a miniature schnauzer. He's eight years old. And about two years ago, he's been fixed. He decided he was going to start marking things. And I've got another miniature schnauzer that he decided he wants to help him do it. And I'm just about at my wit's end. I went and bought diapers for him. They got the puppy diaper I put on them. But every chance they get to do it, they'll do it. And now I've got a Labradoodle, and I don't want him doing it. So I'm like, what do I do to break it? All right. So you know which you know which dog started it, right? Yes, I do. Okay. So that's where we kind of go back to. So that's going to be kind of case zero. <laughs> so for that guy, we want to really make sure that you get him to the veterinarian and let's get him examined. Um, we, we may want to check some things like his urine, just kind of check his overall health and decide if there's something that could be triggering this change. Because this isn't something he's done before at all, huh? Yeah, he's went to the vet, vet quite a few times. He had diarrhea for a long time when we first got him. Uh, yeah, he had yeah. whipworms, and we had to fight getting rid of him. We finally oh, yeah. got rid of him. Yeah. But, but meaning, no okay, but Susan, so he's never, other than just recently, he's not urinated in the house um, as a young adult dog. Is that correct? Not when he was little. Okay. All Actually, right. he's about six years old. So, okay, so six. So he's been doing it for a couple of years now. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, and we watch him like a hawk, too, you know, and it's, you still can't catch him all the time. Okay. So he started doing this a couple of years ago, and is that what I'm understanding? Yes. Okay, and how long has it been since your second dog is now urinating in the house? He doesn't do it very often, but every now and then I'll catch him go right behind Buddy and do it. Okay. Well, he, he's. I'm not going to blame him because he's actually doing a scent marking. So he's seeing and smelling the odor. So he's just kind of going over top of that and putting his mark down. Um, and I thought if so, my Labradoodle does it, I'm in trouble. Yeah, well, we have to go back to the, your, your first dog that's doing it. Now, I'll be honest, this has been going on a couple of years. It's kind of challenging at this point to suggest some basic things to try to fix this because we've got a couple issues going on. We've got a dog that's already scent marked in the house. If We have to figure out if there's health and or behavioral triggers for that and address that. So that's why I'm recommending you go to the vet with a specific concern of urinating in the house. And if this has not been evaluated by your veterinarian, that's what we got to work on because there's a lot of reasons. And the reason I mention that is, especially in schnauzers, there's a breed I see a lot of bladder stones in. Um, They also can get diabetes, um, have other liver-type problems. So we want to make sure we check him for his health sake before we start saying, okay, we've got a behavioral problem we got to work on. But But the honest truth is for a dog that is urine marking in the house, we, we, we really need to make some household changes. So this isn't going to be an easy thing that I'm going to say, give him a pill and it's going to fix oh, it. We really, we have to kind of go back to square one and treat him like a puppy. So I'm going to assume you take him to the vet, they check his urine, do some blood and urine. He's totally fine. They say nothing's wrong with him. Um, you've got a dog that wants to urine mark in the house. And then from there, then we have to work on some strategies. And one is that you say you watch him like a hawk, but he is going to have to be kind of like on lockdown. He cannot be trusted until he builds positive behaviors. So if he has um, the ability to kind of run around the house unsupervised and he urine marks when you're home, you got a real problem there. And he cannot have that level of trust. So we have to take him back to that of like a little six-week-old or an eight-week-old puppy and really have him under constant supervision. Um, do you have a doggy door, or do they? Um, do you let them outside? 
we let them outside. Um, okay. We have a, a grandson that came up, and I closed off all rooms to him. You know, he can only go in the mm-hmm. kitchen, the living room, and dining okay. room. Good. And that way, you know, there's linoleum down. But anyway, we have a grandson that came up, so I opened up the grandson's bedroom, and that dog walked right in there, right by me, and went to cock his leg and to pee on the sleeping bag, the air mattress that we have in the closet. And boy, I swatted him then, you know, and... Well, that does no good. <laughs> that does no good. So we can't discipline him. Yeah. A lot of dogs, when, especially if they're doing this out of, I'm sorry, I'm hearing reverberation, or I don't know if you're talking over me, but um, so when we discipline a dog that's doing this type of behavior, there's usually some trigger for that. So we're really not winning any battles. What we want to do is supervise him, set him up to be successful. If we know he's marking in the house, and this is a pattern he's been doing for years, I'm going to suggest that you keep him on a tethered leash on your side. And you can keep him very close, whether that be a head harness, like a, a gentle lead harness, or an actual just leash, and you keep him close. And in my office, I have dogs that I know mark on corners and walls. We avoid those. We don't go up against things that are typical scent um, mark sites, corners, um, or entry exit parts of the home. Those are areas where dogs are very territorial towards marking in those areas. And having a you know a young uh, child in the house, yeah, he may be marking out of sense of hey, this is my territory, um, or he may say hey, I'm protecting this kid, and anything that is around him, I'm marking to just kind of say I got I got him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we got some work here. So we really need to remember he should not be let to run loose because he's going to be doing this in the house without supervision. So I want you to keep him on your, your hip. I'd like him to wear a belly band. And, um, okay. And they can help. They're, they're not the magic cure for every dog, but a belly band is basically like kind of an elasticy fitting, a uh, piece of fabric that goes right over the boy's genital parts and just kind of cinches down over the top of their back. Um, it's not necessarily a diaper, but it's something that helps that if they urinate, they're actually urinating on themselves. And it helps to kind of create a sense of, ooh, this isn't good. I don't like to feel this way. And it helps to curb some of that urine marking in many male dogs. So, so but put the pad in there? I put a pad in it. Yeah, you know, I'm not a fan of um, putting the pad in because you're basically absorbing the urine before it contacts him. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I never thought of that until you just said that, you know, as a baby. They can wear a wet diaper forever now. Yeah. Now, the other thing is that I want you to actually schedule time to walk him outside on a leash to go to the bathroom and take him to an area and teach him the word um, go potty or go to the bathroom and actually have treats in your pocket and reward him after he does it after. Now, you may not he may not know the word right away, but when you take him outside and you notice he starts to mark, great. You say, go potty. And then you reward him after he's done. Let him finish his business. Um, That's how you train him to the Q word. And you use that positive reward when he goes outside with you. And you help to tell him, this is what I want you to do. It's not going to be yelling at him indoors. This is what I want you to do. And you're going to get good stuff, whether it's love or treats at that time. So You know what? He's the most loving little schnauzer you've ever seen. He never gets with That's how sweet he is. And whenever we do swat him, you know, it's like a love tap. So I think that's part of the reason he's so dang spoiled. Uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, good luck with things, Susan. 
Thanks for your call, Susan. We appreciate it. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. And this Healthy Serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the Grain-Free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. It's always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more at redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. CBD Dog Health makes high-quality holistic pet products designed specifically for your furry family members. Our tinctures, treats, and salves come from full-spectrum CBD, CO2 extracted from hemp flower. They treat anxiety, allergies, arthritis, seizures, hot spots, and more. Our labels are clear and easy to understand, showing all of the natural healing ingredients you are giving your pet. CBD Dog Health products are made in the USA and available at trusted retailers or online at cbddoghealth.com. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Ah, yes. As humans, we tend to anthropomorphize our animals. You know, give them human qualities. Feelings and traits. Yeah, when they do something, we say it's just like a human would do it. Yeah, well, that may be a big mistake. We're going to talk to... In just a few minutes, I'm very excited about this. Lucy Cook. And she wrote the book, The Truth About Animals, Stone Sloths, Lovelorn Hippos, and Other Tales from the Wild Side of Wildlife. So that's just around the corner right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on? Now, is that a stone sloth like the name of a kind of a sloth? Or is that a sloth who's had inhaled too much? Yeah, you know what I mean, man. Uh, That's kind of sloth. Yeah, I get it. Get it. Yeah, dude. Um, well, coming up here. <laughs> uh, that came too easy to me. Best, yeah. Um, what's the best 20 or 25 bucks that you could spend for the entire life of your pet? The best. I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to leave it uh, up in the air until uh, we hear the okay. news in just a few minutes. Soon. Okay. Hey, Sam, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing this morning? Well, I've got the whole dream team here. We're ready to answer your questions. What's going on with your animals? Uh, you know what? I have a little, um, she's, she's as big as a Pomeranian, and she's always scratching. And uh, this happened, started happening like a year ago. And I've taken her to the bed, and she has no fleas. And, and then uh, a month ago, I took her to get her uh, fixed. And um, they, they, were, they told me she might have a, a, a fungus. Mm, okay. And, and I don't know, because she, 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 she's always biting uh her uh, beginning of her tail. Okay. And I look and look, and there's nothing in it. Sometimes I find a little scab here and there, but no fleas, though. I don't know what the hell's going on. Okay. All righty. And is there hair loss in that area? No. Just when she bites it, and, uh, you know, it's always wet. That's about it. Okay. And it's only in that area? Does she have the same kind of symptoms elsewhere on her body? Well, sometimes I, I see when she sits down, she'll scratch, and I look uh, when she's scratching un- underneath her, like, um, by her chest, but there's, okay. there's no fleas or none like that. And then uh, I, get, I took I take her a bath. I buy flea collars, beach spray, everything, nothing. Mm-hmm. And okay. sometimes when I when I scratch her back, I find something like little scabs. So I did. Okay, all right. So there's definitely you're in an area where fleas are a big concern. So um, even if we don't see them, um, uh-huh. it's cheaper to treat for them. And in many cases, it can just take one flea bite that makes a pet itchy for weeks. So oh. it's really important that you are actually treating for that. And there's some different strategies. There's the quick kill products like things like Capstar, which is a pill that you give. Um, there's some really wonderful um, new oral products as well, um, Brevecto, Nexgard, that work for several months at a time. For 
for flea control. But I do think that that would be important to include that because one of the main areas we look for fleas is, is right at the rump area. Right, um, right. So I do think that's an important thing to do. Um, the other things that I think of, especially if she's itching elsewhere, is, you know, we may have a pet that, uh, you know, could have something like allergies. Um, your veterinarian mentioned something about like a, a fungus, like a, maybe like a, a yeast that she might be having on the skin. And they can get yeast or bacteria that causes them to be itchy as well. So, you know, uh-huh. making sure that we're treating that if they have a suspicion for that. Because um, itch doesn't stop with things like yeast unless you treat that. Right. The other thing that we could start looking at are ways to manage itch. And for every pet, it's a little different. For pets with mild like allergy or itchings, we may try things like Benadryl with fatty acids, other antihistamines. Um, there's, with, uh, Benadryl? Uh-huh, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. there can be some other drugs that are more potent for itches. So say we have a dog that we really digging themselves up. Some dogs will go to steroids, um, things like prednisone. But there's right. actually some new drugs that are really good for pets just to kind of kill that itch cycle. Um, and um, actually, we just started using a, a new injectable product, and it's called Caddy, C-A-D-I. And it's really exciting. It, it stops them, kind of the pathway, the signals in the itch cycle. So for pets with allergies or a lot of other things, even things like skin mites, um, it can help to kind of make them more comfortable within as quick as a day. Um, So, And and that's actually not so much a drug drug. It's more of what we call a monoclonal antibody. So um, kind of exciting stuff there. Now, you were talking about Benadryl. I got to ask this, Doc. Mm -hmm. Benadryl, the same kind that uh, humans take? Yeah, certainly um, it is. Um, now, we always do this with um, your doctor's direction because the dose we base off of the pet's overall health and whether or not they have other concurrent problems. Um, so, um, But, yeah, we can use Benadryl. There's other antihistamines that are used in people, like uh, sometimes we'll use Zyrtec or um, Hydroxazine is another one that people use. Back to the Benadryl, is it a higher dose than what humans take it's actually yeah it is actually higher um so yeah uh, for large dogs i mean people take what a 25 milligram benadryl yeah um and large dogs might take 50 milligrams or more so it, it would put us under the table for probably a day and a half yep. <laughs> so but yeah yeah, and I don't like to discuss doses on the radio just because, you know, I don't know all your pet's specific diagnoses, so I can't really advise you on how much you should give. But, you know, you can definitely talk to your doctor about a specific drug no, dose for her. Where can I purchase that caddy at? Well, it is an injection, and that'll only be at your veterinarian. And it is a new product, so you may have to kind of check around to see. Um, but that plus some of the other drugs, um, well, there's one called Apoquel that's really fabulous for dogs with allergies. We just have to do a little more kind of screening and checking with pets with right. that one. It's- I just feel sorry for it, and if you're scratching, there's nothing I can do about it, you know? Yeah, well, there are some things, but we just really have to kind of, and in any situation, what I usually do is I'll say, okay, this is what I would like to do to figure out what's the cause. And then these are some of the therapies we might use. And depending on the budget, honestly, and how long the pets have the problem, we kind of pick and choose what we need to do. So if it's a matter that, um, say, we have a kind of a narrow budget to work with, we may say, okay, I'd like to test these minimal things, but let's try these steps. And that might be treating for mites um, with one of these oral products. Right be using a shampoo it might be making sure we're doing some good flea control um, and then maybe something to help with the itch so um, I, I think there's a lot of things that can be done but the, the first step is kind of asking for help and making sure we, we start to direct that towards her skin well thank you so much doctor you're listening to animal radio phones are open at 1-866-405-8405 <laughs>
CBD Dog Health makes high-quality holistic pet products designed specifically for your furry family members. Our tinctures, treats, and salves come from full-spectrum CBD, CO2 extracted from hemp flower. They treat anxiety, allergies, arthritis, seizures, hot spots, and more. Our labels are clear and easy to understand, showing all of the natural healing ingredients you are giving your pet. CBD Dog Health products are made in the USA and available at trusted retailers or online at cbddoghealth.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Well, big time proof that microchipping your pet pays off. A couple who lost two dogs while they were visiting friends five years ago has one of those dogs, a deaf dog named Army, a little terrier, back home today because he was microchipped. The other dog, though, is still missing. But their advice, having gone through all of this, microchip your pets, they say, and keep your contact information updated with the microchip company and your vet. A lot of people, you know, think it's kind of expensive, but at most vet offices, you know, you can microchip your pet for 25 bucks or, or less in some places. And it's there and working for you and your pet forever. And with hurricane season officially underway, is your pet included in your disaster evacuation plan? Here are some things to consider. Get a rescue alert sticker and place it on your window, a window that is near the main entrance. Because what will happen if you have to leave pets behind, that sticker will alert rescuers that there could be pets inside. Choose your designated caregivers ahead of time or choose a a safe haven to take your pets to in case there is some impending disaster. You can also ask your vet for a list of preferred boarding kennels and facilities. Make sure that you have enough food and water for pets and humans for at least five days. Have leashes, collars, harnesses or best, garbage bags, a litter box if you have a cat, and have it all ready to go and put your human first aid kit and your pet first aid kit with that pile of collars and harnesses too. And finally, keep a current photo of you and your pet just in case you become separated. Some good advice there. And of course, microchipping once again will always pay off and it's one of the biggest things that you can do. Well, 10 more cases of salmonella have been linked to pet hedgehogs here in the United States, bringing to 27 now the total, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. These latest cases reported in six different states, so they're everywhere. Uh, the six are California, Indiana, Kansas, Michigan, Oregon, and Tennessee. The CDC says even if hedgehogs look healthy and they look clean, they can still have salmonella in their droppings and then Once they do their business, it's easily spread on their bodies and throughout their living areas. And most people, if you don't know, infected with salmonella, they will develop diarrhea, fever, and stomach cramps anywhere from 12 to 72 hours after they're exposed to it. And then they're typically sick for anywhere from four to seven days. Well, all is well that ends well, right? We like a happy ending. In this case... We're talking about a five-year-old cat that was missing in England, missing for two weeks. Her name was Hattie. And then she was spotted on the Royal Albert Bridge. It's a bridge. It takes train traffic as well. So it could be a dangerous place. So when she was spotted there, this extravagant and complicated six-day, $7,500 rescue mission was launched to save Hattie. And then Hattie must have decided, well, gee, this is kind of boring. I'm getting tired of this after six days. She simply wandered back to her home on her own, showed up like 
Hi. Still, <laughs> the good news is Hattie is home. Hattie is safe, and her owners are now vowing to make her an inside-only cat. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hey, folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor. Stay or neuter your animals today. From the Red Barn Studios, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks, and here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We get lots of books here, and occasionally a title will come across my desk that, <laughs> that catches my attention. I love, First of all, I love picture books. So you send me any kind of picture book, I'm all about that. But this title of this next book just stood out. The Truth About Animals, Stoned Sloths, Lovelorn Hippos, and Other Tales from the Wild Side of Wildlife. And the author wow. joining us right now, yeah, I know, huh? Lucy Cook. <laughs> Hi, Lucy. How are you doing? Hi there, I'm doing really well. Where are we Skyping you today? I'm I'm in Hastings, which is on the south coast of England, which is where I live. Oh, it sounds beautiful. It, it is. It's by the seaside and um, it's a lovely sunny day today. So yeah, no, it is. It's very beautiful. Are there any, I guess there's pro- probably no stone sloths there, but I, I would imagine that there's a, a lot of wild animals. I don't know. I think they might quite a lot of stone sloths and hastings actually but uh, but maybe not the kind that i'm used to writing about but um but uh yeah yeah you know there's uh, there's i've got a lovely pet dog um who's a jack russell pug cross he's a jug and he's looking at me now Aww. thinking why is he speaking into her computer <laughs> Well, you say that, you know, we've split the atom, we've conquered the moon, but when it comes to understanding animals, we really still have a long way to go, huh? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I will never really know what my dog is thinking. I can only really guess. And so, you know, I mean, zoology is, is um, you know, it's, it's a fascinating subject, the study of animals, but it is, it's really hard to figure out what's going on. I mean, animals do not give up their secrets easily. So, you know, over the years... Um, you know, we, we've, we've, we've tried our hardest to understand animals and, and, and have with more successes than, than uh, or with some success, but a lot of failure, I should say. Would you say that we have a, a tendency to anthropomorphize our animals a little too much? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's just, you know, we're, we're hardwired to, you know, to be, to feel, you know, lovingly towards animals that that have baby-like features. And so, you know, we're very much sort of, you know, animals that are cute, we are very much in favour of and we look at them in a very favourable way. We like animals that look like us. We tend to think favourably of animals that have forward-facing eyes and, and human-like faces. Um, and, and, and especially with those sorts of animals, there is a huge tendency to anthropomorphise. And that, you know, that's... It, that can lead to sort of, sort of <laughs> some um, unfortunate misconceptions about certain creatures. You know, people say we can learn a lot about dogs. They're the best. You know, they're really honest and true. You know, I've seen my dog steal from another dog when they weren't looking. You know, I mean, aren't there really, aren't there still bad animals in this world? Well, the thing is, is animals don't occupy, don't sort of follow a Christian moral code. You know, survival is a brutal sport and it means that, some animals have to have to 
you know, take life strategies that would not be appropriate if you're a human. So deception is rife in the animal kingdom. Um, and um, so is uh, all sorts of, um, you know, quite um, specialist, shall we say, sexual behavior, if it was amongst humankind. Um, and, um, you know, all the way down to, to sort of, you know, I mean, I always say pe- penguins are one creature that everybody thinks they're so cute and adorable because they wobble along on two legs. Aren't they monogamous? No, absolutely not. That's one of the greatest myths out there, actually, that they don't. Very few birds are, actually. Um, Most are wildly promiscuous, both the males and the females, (laughs) most birds. There was a whole thing about with birds that for for years people assumed that they were monogamous because you'd see these sort of couple and they'd look like they were caring lovingly, building a nest and raising a chick. Um, And then paternity testing arrived and somebody decided to paternity test um <laughs> eggs in a nest and found out that that um the the the, the um the the, the eggs were ha- sired by often two um, or more um males so the um the idea there's there's a very big difference in the bird world between social monogamy and sexual monogamy so lots of birds are socially monogamous in that they form a pair bond but then they're not actually sexually monogamous they will well, they will have sex um with other partners just like humans <laughs> yeah. just like humans yeah. yeah what about worker ants i mean they look all so busy and everything are there any is there such thing as lazy worker ants yeah, absolutely. This was recently discovered, actually, that um, I can't remember the percentage, but I think it's somewhere around 15% of worker ants are actually at any one. It might even be greater than that, are, are, are basically lazing around doing nothing. Um, and um, so, yeah, so it, laziness is something, you know, that's what I mean. Is it, we, we have a tendency to anthropomorphize, but we also have a tendency to judge animals by our own moral standards. So, laziness for example is something that we feel you know we deride animals for being lazy so worker ants it was sort of made big news when it was discovered that you know a lot of them are layabouts actually and not doing anything but that's you know that's beneficial to the um to their society you know the sloth is another example that's of an animal that's incredibly lazy um and has got a very bad reputation for being lazy but actually sloths are incredibly successful animals they've been around on this planet in one shape or another for 40 million years and they are incredibly prolific they're doing very well for a mammal of their size despite the fact that we're chopping down their forests at an alarming rate so you know there's a lot of positives to be said for for rather than calling sloths lazy really we should be calling them um frugals perhaps you know because they're, they're energy saving icons basically so that they're, they're which i think is something we should be aspiring to yeah see that's what i'm doing how when i'm sitting in the chair out there i'm just i'm you're just, frugal yes i'm just saving my energy yes <laughs> exactly you know and that's good that's what we all need to be doing on this planet right now is saving our energy you know yeah. <laughs> well this is truly fascinating we are with lucy cook and we got to take a quick break. There's more truth about animals right around the corner. Stick around. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Justin Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family. I'm on Animal Radio. Adopt a pet. 
Here's today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. Fiat Chrysler plans to reopen its long-idled Mac 2 engine plant in Detroit as an assembly plant to build three-row Jeep SUVs, according to the Detroit News and CNBC. FCA plans to build a new three-row version of the Grand Cherokee in its plant for the 2021 model year. This would be the first new assembly plant in Detroit since Chrysler opened its Jefferson North plant in 1992. To find your new Jeep, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Our Auto Expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And I just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make and hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people for animals and for the environment and now an animal radio news brief well despite his three decades in the salmon industry one swedish man says he's never seen anything quite like what he's calling the jesus salmon Lars Ludvigson was filleting fish that come across the assembly line when a co-worker started shouting about something that he'd found. Turns out the discovery was a fish with black scales on its white stomach that formed a perfect cross. Lars says that he's dubbed it the Jesus Salmon for fun, and then the name stuck. Well, some of his fellow assembly line workers were convinced that the fish was a sign from God. He said he kept the Jesus Salmon to himself. He was going to enjoy a blessed dinner until he realized that this fish had become a celebrity. So he's taking that fish on tour. And I hope that he wraps that fish in paper and ice because people are going to pray that he never brought it around. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at AnimalRadio.pet. Oh, what did he say? He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets, sometimes devious pets and animals. We are with Lucy Cook. She is the author of The Truth About Animals, Stone Sloths, Lovelorn Hippos, and Other Tales from the Wild Side of Wildlife. In your research, what was the most astounding uh, fact that you found out? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, there were so many. I mean, it was an absolute joy to research. But I think penguins uh, are mistaken for being monogamous and and incredibly cute. They're actually pathologically unpleasant necrophiliacs. That was quite... (laughs) (laughs) What did you find out about hippos? I love a hippo. Yeah, hippos hippos are great. I did the, 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 the hippo story is... Um, is a lot to do with the hippos that I visited in Colombia. There's you know, Pablo Escobar had a private zoo and he imported all sorts of animals. And then when he got shot, all the animals got um, you know sent off to zoos all around South America, apart from the hippos, because when you weigh the same as a family car, it's quite difficult to relocate. And these hippos um, have gone wild and are now running riot in rural Colombia. They, they're basically breeding like rabbits. He brought over three. There's now around 60 and um, 
so they're this sort of real menace. <laughs> Local Colombian um, farmers are not used to the size of a hippo and nobody realises how dangerous they are. Um, I spoke to one small child who um, who said that his grandmother had been chased for an hour by, by a randy rogue male only a few nights before. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. The, the front of your book has a picture of a panda on it. What what did you discover from pandas? Well, so pandas everybody thinks that they're um they're rubbish at sex, that they can't procreate and they can't they're, they're sort of evolutionary redundant and and they need our help. Um and this is absolutely not the case in the wild. They are you know, they, 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 they are, I don't, I don't know what time of day this goes out, but they, 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 they're quite, you know, they're quite Lotharios, you know, they, they sort of, you know, they, they, they have a lot of, one, one, one pair in the wild were observed mating 40 times in the space of an afternoon. So that's, that's not, that's not an animal that doesn't know what it's doing. And, um, and they're obviously incredibly, you know, the, 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 the low birth rate and all these things that that's evolved in order to keep the population in check so that they don't outgrow their food source, which is bamboo. So, you know, all of these things that if you, if you take an animal out of the wild and you observe it in captivity, it, it's really a very different animal. Because the thing about pandas is, you know, that they, they don't reproduce well in zoos. But then, I mean, humans probably wouldn't reproduce terribly well if they were plonked in a zoo cage with another human and expected just to get on with it. So, so uh, you mostly talk about wildlife. Did you do any research on like the domestic animals, the cat and the dog? No, I didn't actually. No, I, 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 um, I mean, I, I, I'm deeply suspicious of cats. <laughs> um, really? Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm deeply suspicious of cats. I mean, I just, you know, they can't be trusted. They've somehow got us under their spell, haven't they? Cats are secretly running the world, you yep. know. Um, and um, and dogs, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just I'm a real. I, I love dogs. I'm a real softy around dogs. So yeah, I, I mean, I've thought about doing a book about dogs uh, down the line, actually, just because I'm sure there's loads of misconceptions about them. Okay, well, we look forward to that when that comes out. I have ten copies of the book, "The Truth About Animals: Stone Sloth, Lovelorn Hippos, and Other Tales from the Wild Side of Wildlife," to give out to you now at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. If you're not lucky enough to get on through head on over to your favorite bookstore or amazon.com and order it we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet lucy thank you so much for joining us today that was my total pleasure i loved it thank you so much for your enthusiasm for my book of course well that was fun wasn't it yes it was i really enjoyed today's show <laughs> i did too yeah it was. yeah what a great job can, booking can next week booked. can we have 15 guests instead of just six actually next week is going to be pretty fun <laughs> We're going to welcome back Vlade, the Russian dog wizard, and Alan Cable for a very, very special show. If you've been a longtime listener, you definitely want to be here next week for Animal Radio. Until then, visit us over at animalradio.pet or download the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And we'll see you right here for more Animal Radio next week. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.